This is Guys Read Romance, where I, romance author Margot Radcliffe, politely strong-arm my male friends into reading and chatting about romance novels with me for an uncomfortably long period of time. Okay, today we're doing another interstitial episode. We're going to discuss last week's episode with Matt about the book Conventionally Yours by Annabeth Albert. His close friend Jessica is actually here today. She's known Matt for many years. She's a public servant who used to take piano lessons from my mother, a Broadway lover, and a fellow Bravo television watcher. She's a big reader of my work and always gives positive feedback, which I appreciate. So thank you so much for coming today, Jessica. And I'm excited to talk about romance with you. I am too. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so weird to call you Jessica. Right? <laughs> All right. So Matt read Conventionally Yours by Annabeth Albert. And that was a romance novel about, I think, really the game card game magic. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I'd like to talk a little bit to you about your experience with romance or and what you you typically don't read a lot, right? My Yeah, I I wish I had more time to read the romance that I've read. I love the Margot books. I've read all of your books, published and unpublished. And I always love that I get to see them before they go to publish. So I get to kind of see see them in the raw before changes are made, which is pretty cool. Uh, but I don't do a lot of pleasure reading. I just, um, as you know, my work hours are significant. And so I do a lot of reading for work. All right. So a lot of nonfiction. When you think about or have thought about romance and as a genre, what is your kind of experience with it? What do you what are kind of assumptions that you made growing up about it? And you kind of talk about that. So I didn't even really know anything about it until you brought me into the world of romance in high school. And so and you've talked about that on other podcasts here. So reading those Harlequins with the red and white cover, we would do read alouds up in the attic. And I'll be honest with you, at the time, I was like, what in the world is this? It sort of blew my mind um, in a good way, I guess. But it was like completely foreign to me. So they were just fun, lighthearted reads. We would be giggling about it. For whatever reason, though, I didn't get attached at that point to like continue reading that as I grew up and aged. I have, I tend to get on reading. Say that too. It was inappropriate to be reading them at. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. That's what I'm discovering, but go ahead. Maybe. But I, I will get on like reading bandwagons. So, you know. When something is really popular, I'll get into it. So I did read the, uh, oh shoot, what's the series that everybody read? Twilight? No. <laughs> no, they had the gray cover with the rich guy, Christian. It was all. Oh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades. How can I not remember that title? So like that was all the buzz and I was really late into getting into reading it. But then I read all three of those right. and I enjoyed it. But interestingly enough, in Fifty Shades, I would get to some of the sex dialogue and be like, okay, like it's just too much. And I would sort of skim through it because I was more interested in the push and pull between the characters mm -hmm. than I was like the 
intimate scenes, if that makes sense. And so even in the books that I've read of yours, that's what I always really like is that push and pull and that tension between the characters more than when they're getting into it. Right. Okay. That's cool. So you liked Fifty Shades of Grey. Did you think that that book like, because it wasn't like, that was not a super funny series. So did you read all three of those? I did. And I, I liked them. I read them back to back. And did you watch the movies? I did. I didn't like the movies. It was better to me. It was much better to me in the text than it was on the screen. I didn't like the actors. It, it, I just, it played out better in my head than it did on the screen, which is often the the case, right? When we go from book to movie, once we've read the book. So, but I did enjoy it. And it was, it was just fun. It was fun to think about. You've got this hugely wealthy guy and they're on helicopters and taking off around like it was just, so that fantasy part of it I think is really really nice and that gosh that money yeah that would be pretty sweet <laughs> well that's interesting because the millionaire fantasy is you know of course very pervasive in romance novels right everybody wants the security of somebody who is very very wealthy we've talked on that about that many times so anyway uh yeah that's very popular and that's interesting that that's would you say that those were the first like full length romance novels that you had read outside of yours oh, yes okay. i mean i've read yours so i've read yours prior to those but yeah i think i think that those were probably the first all right sounds good all right but then before you read those what had what had you thought about like as an outsider of the genre and just like as a person in the world like what or did you have thoughts about what romance was like how did and like when you when we were reading that stuff in my in the attic those old old harlequins so you had had that experience did you did that cause you to expect something out of 50 shades of gray and like when you actually read 50 shades of gray was it much different than what we had been reading in the attic, do you think? I think Fifty Shades was just because it took it like to the next, to another level. I mean, truly what I thought was so, I don't know that shocking is the word for it at the time in high school, but it was certainly more than I had been really exposed to prior, would have been really tame compared to what I was reading in Fifty Shades, right? Mm-hmm. But in terms of my thinking on what to expect, yeah, like a love story. You know, I just, for me, romance was going to be a love story. And then there was always that expectation that there would be intimate scenes, you know, thrown in. But that has held true from the time that we started reading in your attic to to now. I think that's that's still the case and what I expect out of a romance novel. Okay. So you didn't have any like fa- like I we hear Fabio a lot on this podcast or like it's mommy porn and stuff like that. And so is that the when we were younger, is that what you thought about it then? And like how did that how has that translated or evolved for you maybe over the years? I mean, I suppose so. And there's been a lot of talk in these podcasts about, you know, like the cover and did the cover draw you in? And, you know, the covers were so lame. And a lot of the guys on the podcast have talked about, you know, this Fabio. Mm -hmm. To me, those covers were not attractive at all. Fabio, I didn't find to be attractive. The women didn't, like, they were just cliche and so, and not relatable. And so it was much better for me reading those to put the picture in my mind about what I thought these characters looked like more so than leaning on a front cover of a book. So I actually feel like the front covers sometimes 
and probably my opinion of this is still true today, don't carry through with the book. Like, so I don't think in romance that you can really look at that front cover and get a sense of what the book is about. You know, we've talked about even that on some of the books that you've done, you know, that cover work process and the author maybe doesn't have as much of a say sometimes what happens with those covers. And I think that holds true that they don't always completely connect. Right. And I think that what we're seeing with those like older covers is that that's men were probably drawing those male artists were probably drawing those. And so they were trying to like superimpose kind of probably what they thought women wanted instead of actually gaining input from from women is probably what I assume is a bulk of what happened. Some of them are beautiful. Um, some of the covers are really lovely, but others of them are just silly. So yeah, and not exactly attractive, and not attractive. I don't know of anybody ever who's ever thought Fabio was attractive. So no, and he was used over and over and over again. And that was the whole sense. That is a common theme with so many of the guys that you've talked to as they saw that and they were like, well, no, we're not going to read this. Right. Well, I think women thought that it was ridiculous too. Like we're reading it in spite of this. So anyway, like if, I think that that's the thing also with romance is that we're in on the joke, people. Like guys don't really understand that like we understand, we also are just, we get it. But anyway, all right. Sounds good. But of course you watch a lot of Hallmark Christmas movies. So you are in... <laughs> True. You are, uh, you understand and romance is something of interest to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the difference is, you know, the Hallmark movies, here's for me, the, the critical difference between reading it and watching it is when I am watching it, a Hallmark movie can be running in the background and I can be cooking a dinner, thumbing through my phone, you know, whatever. Whereas when I'm in a text, that's where all of my attention has to be. And sometimes it's hard for me to give myself that time to just be committed to being in the text. I gotcha. Well, in Hallmark, those are seasonal. You know, you only have to watch them. It's true. But those are something that comes up. And it's like you and all of the men who are not straight on this podcast watch Hallmark Christmas movies. It's an interesting overlap of people who watch those. Okay. Well, so what do you think of the podcast overall so far? Do you have any thoughts about like just generally how you, yeah, like what, what are your overall thoughts about it? Yeah, I, I love tuning into these. I really appreciate the diversity of the, I'm going to call them the cast members <laughs> of this podcast because you have, you've tapped into the LGBTQIA community. The, the experiences that each of these guys are bringing is really different the types of books that they're reading is different. And so each podcast really has its own vibe. And so I, I appreciate that from one handers to like outlander, like we've got like everything on all ends of the spectrum. And I love that. <laughs> yeah, they are very different. It's certainly been a journey for me. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any ones in particular that have stood out to you just in terms of like being kind of surprised by what they thought of the book? I don't know about surprised. I think I like it when there's a little bit of pushback. So even on this recent one with Matt, he didn't love this book. And I don't know that he really came out and was like, I did not like this book at all. <laughs> Uh -huh. But it was in there. And so I kind of like that we're starting to get to that point that there's some pushback. Well, yeah. I appreciate the banter. So I here's the thing about this podcast is it's you, you've got the foundation laid here, but there's great banter between you and the castmates as well. 
<laughs> like, I'm just going to go with castmates. Sounds good. Um, and that also draws me in to the podcast. I'd have to like thumb through to see some of the the other like specifics because you know me and my memory <laughs> and names and titles. It's it's not great. Well, I will say I think a lot of them don't like the book, and I think that they're scared to say for a couple of reasons. One, it's because like the author is a real person, and so they're not willing to kind of be jerks about it. But then two, like I've said before, I also think they're afraid of me, <laughs> which is fine. I don't. I would like to perpetuate that. Feeling. But I think that as we go on, they will start to be more honest about it. Of course, Matt is like never mean really about anybody. So that was never going to (laughs) happen. But So we'll see. But yeah, he totally didn't like the book at all. (laughs) You know, as I'm thumbing through the different podcasts too, just kind of spark my memory. One of the other things, and I talked about this a moment ago, was the different book selections. I was really intrigued by the one that Stacey Abrams wrote because I've not written any of that. I knew that she had an uh, and that was with Bill. I liked that one. And I, I just liked that it was someone from current events and current history that has, that has uh, also written a novel. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was, I mean, she was a very successful author before she went into politics, I believe. So yeah, that was a fun one. All right. Cool. And all right. Sounds good. Bill is a very big reader. So it's nice to talk to people. I mean, it's, some of the guys don't read at all. That has been apparent. But those are, <laughs> but it's fun also to talk to somebody who does read a lot. When it's fascinating to hear their connections. I mean, some of the connections they're taking way back into early, more earlier, earlier literature mm-hmm. and drawing on those things, which kind of makes it interesting. However, I think the guys that don't read as much have their own take on it as well, which is just makes each podcast so different. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So what do you think of a lot of them have many like varying opinions about romance? Have you had any thoughts like while listening about kind of the more the variety of opinions that they have about romance about these romance novels as they read them? Or has anything stood out as a surprise? Surprise to you, or has it been like stuff that you think you could have predicted they'd say? Talk to me a little bit about that. I kind of thought that they would be more surprised than they seem to be. That their their perceptions of what they thought they were into, for the most part, are on point with what they're reading. Mm -hmm. I thought there'd be more difference in there, and you know, occasionally there'll be you know something, but for the most part, they haven't been terribly surprised. Right? Yeah. I don't know about any. I mean. Again, I've got to go like back into my archives and you know how my brain is. You can just edit out this dead thing. <laughs> it's fine. All right. Well, then other than Matt, speaking of uh, this one, of course, is everybody's favorite. But other than Matt, so did you, do you have a favorite episode and why might, why might that be your favorite one? I, I think they would be for different reasons. Like Jonathan's episodes are hilarious. <laughs> you know, the whole, the first one he did with like, when you shared with him the the verbiage of one hander and like the, the funniness and the lightheartedness, he's not a big reader, so he likes to have these really short ones. It's hilarious, and he really has his own dynamic on this podcast. His are, tend to be really different than the other ones, but I like that, and I like laughing along with him. Whereas some of the other ones are kind of deep. I mean, honestly, some of these conversations get deep. I mean, you know, recently the one with Bill and. You know, some of those, the themes, you know, and with the race being such a big concept in that one. I mean, so we've just got like, 
the whole gamut. Sills was one that I really did enjoy just because we were, you were tackling some really difficult issues and thought it was interesting to hear from his perspective. For sure. All right. Yeah. John, I hear Jonathan a lot. I think people get a kick out of Jonathan. Okay. You can all follow him on Flex Your Real Estate Muscle on Instagram. It is also a treat. It's a nice plug. He'll enjoy that. <laughs> all right. So is there something when you listen to these podcasts, is there something that you think that you would like to know that I don't ask? I wonder if as these folks have a chance to do this more and more, if they'll start to get more honest with it. So I wonder if there can be more of those not hardline questions, but really like, what did you really think of this? You know, and if it wasn't good, why not? And and what would you change? Because, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And so it's okay if they don't like a particular text. Like that's why people meet in book clubs and do things because we all have different opinions. So I kind of wonder if as as time goes on, there will be more of those hard conversations and more pointed, like what was it that you didn't like? What didn't you connect with? Right. Yeah, I think so. I I hope so as well. Great. So did anything about Matt's particular podcast surprise you? Um, Let's, we got to get the elephant. There's an elephant in the room here. And what surprised me was that in the game, he got it wrong. <laughs> can we just, can we just talk about that? It was, <laughs> I laughed so hard. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. The Mariana's Trench. <laughs> that thing was so poorly written. It was so ridiculous. And he got it wrong. I think, um, Matt, I think Matt does it on purpose. <laughs> I mean, whether he did it on purpose or not, it was hilarious. Um, and he, I think even said, well, I'm consistent. <laughs> I keep getting these wrong, but that was the thing that we must address. <laughs> I really, I do think that he knows. I think he's just being like an ass and <laughs> guessing the incorrect thing because he thinks it's funny. I do. Well, you don't think that? I 100% think that. I can't tell. I can't, I can't tell. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I I'm look I'm hoping that's it cuz the alternative is that like he he needs to go back to school. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so other than that and you know anything surprise you about the podcast about anything he said or did or what? I touched on it a minute ago and I think he he was one of your guests that that got more to he there were some problems with this text and that that he didn't connect to and that he didn't enjoy. And so uh, one of the things that you all talked about was these characters were 21, 23, but they felt very young as you were reading them, which means the picture in your mind was a younger person. And so that made it uncomfortable during some of those more intimate moments because you're like, oh, this is just a little, a little awkward. And so I appreciated that that came out of that conversation, just that honest. And it also, I also thought it was funny that he hated the kissing. It was just kissing everywhere. And he started listing all of the different places that these two are kissing. I thought, yeah, I mean, I can see that that would be too much after a while that you're like, okay, we get it. We get it. You're excited about kissing. Let's move on. Well, that was one of the things that made them seem so young because they were 21 and 23 and like kissing was still such a huge deal. And maybe it was just because they were so in love with each other or whatever. But like by the time you're 23, I just feel like, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's like, I don't, I don't agree. It's a different world, but um, it just felt those kinds of things felt very juvenile. But like I, one of my questions here (laughs) is that Matt talked about how annoyed he was about the kissing a lot. And I said, do you think it's just because Matt is dead inside? (laughs) 
there's, I mean, like, part of it is like, this is romance. There's joy in like discovering each other, right? That's in like all of that kissing as part of that. They're and they're on a road trip. Like they're going to be kissing different places. They're just pointing it out. You know, like what's the harm in it? Yeah, I and I, you know, not reading these books, I'm a bit, you know, I'm a bit at a disadvantage. But listening to Matt, it made me feel like she, that his takeaway was she was wasting all of this written space over and over again on basically the same thing. And I that he was bored with that and just needed something a little bit more. I'd like to hope for for Matt and his husband that he's not dead inside. So, uh. <laughs> well, that was my next question. Do you think Matt and his hu- husband Kevin are a little too happy to even be believed? And if the relationship was a romance novel, would it be almost too sickeningly sweet? Even yes, for your listeners. Uh, <laughs> Margo and I have talked extensively to Matt and his husband about just how happy they are all the time. Not sustainable or believable. They are they are the happiest couple we have ever had the pleasure of meeting and, and spending time and being friends with. I mean, I aspire to be that happy. They're just they're just happy. They just they do. They get along. They get along so well all the time. All the time. So yeah, I think if it was a romance novel, it wouldn't work. Because there's not enough tension. (laughs) Really. Like in order to make a romance novel work, you've got to have a push and pull. You've got to have tension between the characters. And they are living their happily ever after (laughs) every day. day. It's very true. So, all right. That's a a great answer. No, it would not. It's just too nice to be a romance novel. It could be a Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh, yes. And they already know the town that they're going to go to. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Now, do you think I should have made Matt sing more in the podcast? <laughs> Some of his songs from his recent debut is The Prince and Cinderella, potentially? Any song? Any, yes. Sure. If Matt's willing to sing, let the let the listeners hear it. Let's pull out other like interesting things about each of these guests and have them put it on display, on sound display. Maybe Ryan believe he's in a band maybe we could get some wouldn't be called footage sound <laughs> of ryan and his band would love that what other special talents jonathan jonathan we could get him singing on it's here it's, yeah but i'm not going to especially ryan we don't need more from him all right so <laughs> enough all right so one problem that matt seemed to have with this book that alden one half of the main couple he thought he was too unlikable because he was cold and um standoffish and however in and heterosexual romance novels kind of having kind of a standoffish kind of aloof male main character is extremely popular you know in 50 shades of gray that guy wasn't like you know crocheting or whatever and so and he wasn't very nice right and so for me it's been it's interesting for me to see what it is that men find attract find attractive about it or unlikable because it's always generally like way different than i think what women are looking for in male characters in romance novels so do you have any thoughts about that i mean because you liked 50 shades of gray and like you said it's has to do with that kind of tension and maybe it's just Matt, but I, I've seen it kind of across some of some of these novels with the main char- main couples being gay is that they're just looking for different things than than we are in our in our romance novels. And I think one of the things that has resonated with Matt is that like I and I find in these novels too is that like they're much nicer to each other. <laughs> 
in these in the novels where it's two men and i just find that so interesting and strange and like do you have any thoughts about this Maybe related. I do wonder, because part of your conversation with Matt was, this was a text that was written by a female. And did he feel that that that, that was realistic? And I do wonder, as she is writing these characters, what sort of research and questions and conversations has she had with homosexuals to figure out, okay, in, in, a, in a two male relationship, what are those dynamics? What are you looking for? What is the, what would the tension points be? Because it's, it may be different. And I think that's something that maybe through these podcasts and more reading with Matt and his partner, I can't remember what his name is on this podcast. Kevin. Kevin. It's his um, real name. Yeah, his real name, Kevin. <laughs> Is teasing out a little bit more on what they, what is it that they look for? And not that they're the spokespeople for all, but just hearing their perspective. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, I, that tension makes a lot of sense to me that it's something that, yeah, someone who's a little cold and you you start to peel those layers away and ultimately you see that there's a warm heart, (laughs) like that's such a thing, Right. Right. And so I can connect to that, but it sounds like in this case, Matt didn't. Right. And of course, like part of this, obviously is like these novels are 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 fantasy so like why is the kind of a female one of the female fantasies is like this person who is like you said kind of you have to peel back and they're very complicated when in reality guys are just not complicated you know maybe that's the issue and so like what is it then fantasy of just kind of guys being nice to each other in these relationships maybe that is the that fantasy but I don't know I mean it's interesting mm-hmm. to think about it. and something that I would not have otherwise thought about if not for this podcast because like I think that there in popular culture is not a lot of talk about the kind of nuances of gay relationships so I think that this has been you know can, there's so few that we see in any sort of depth in popular culture I mean like I've said on this podcast before like Patrick and for from Schitt's Creek. Is it Dan? I and mean, that's his. Oh, it is. Oh, no, that might be his real name. name. Anyway, the Schitt's Creek couple was the first, I think, truly nuanced gay relationship that we've seen in, in popular culture. And that one played out beautifully oh, yeah. on the screen because you saw that whole beginning to end of their relationship and dynamic and how it evolved. I, I agree with you. It was, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was lovely. I yeah. love them. And now, I mean, I know that Modern Family had a gay couple, but that seemed a little bit more stereotypical. Interesting you should say that. I'm, I'm literally rewatching Modern Family, like in the background, like before I go to mm-hmm. sleep at night. And at the time, it was very progressive, mm-hmm. but it is very stereotypical. And I don't think that it would fly in the same way. It would not be, those characters would not be written the same way today, for sure. For sure. But, you know, it just shows that we've had some growth mm-hmm. in that area. We're not there yet, but there's been growth. What's his name? I can't, I don't know. David. Patrick and David. <laughs> Ooh, David. Sounds good. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that it's happening. And I think that these having gay romance novels is part of that too. Like what besides just 
you know, like we said in the last podcast, like there's this notion that like, you know, gay guys just want to screw each other. You know what I mean? That's what seems to be the pervasive kind of thought. And so that having these kind of deep, meaningful relationships play out in romance novels is I think definitely a step forward. And it's definitely, I'm, I mean, of course, like it's still a romance novel, so it's fantasy, but I mean, it's interesting. It's been interesting for me. So saying one of the themes of this podcast as a whole has been the differences between what men and women think love actually is. So it seems like in this podcast so far that guys are kind of separating love from romance, that love is a much more serious, heavy, kind of arduous thing, and that romance is what women think of love, and it's kind of fluffy and light and, you know, all the things we think of anything that women think (laughs) or women deal with. And so I wondered if you had any thoughts about that or if that's a theme that you're kind of picking up on. And then, like, within that... Do we think that translates to this male-male romance? I don't know. I think anyone that's been in a long-term relationship knows that to love someone is to get through like the non-romantic tough times, like you're paying the bills and you're doing just the day-to-day stuff that gets just boring. It's just life. It's adulting, right? And so when you commit to love someone, you're committing to that Mm -hmm. too now. The romance, and I think that the reason that it's just like fun and escapist and fantasy is because it's not the day to day. You know, you're you're taking this novel's just taking you out of all of that, regardless of if it's a heterosexual or homosexual relationship. Day to day versus fantasy, that fantasy is always going to win. Is like, a, oh wow, like wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be great? Because that's not real life. It's just not, and it never will be. And, you know, it's interesting because we've all had that beginning new startup of a relationship. You know, the hormones are racing and it's just so exciting. And you're, you live there for a, for about a minute, you know, it's, (laughs) and I guess that's the thing in this text. So these guys in this text were really, you know, it was the kissing and all of that. And they, and maybe she captured that, that new romance. That's not love. You know, that's that beginning capturing that very new, excited emotion at the beginning. And, but they don't love each other. And so you've, you no, I don't know. For me, that's the, the defining difference between the, the romance and, and love, that committed love. Well, but this is the thing that leads to a, a more committed relationship. So on some level, yeah. whatever happens here speaks to somebody and compels them to want to continue this thing, right? So like, it has to be something of great consequence and value to a person. And while it can be difficult to kind of separate out like hormones and that first kind of rush of affection. And I think that ultimately, like what is shown in these romance novels is like, here are the things that people grasp onto because they're important for a lasting relationship. And yet time after time, I hear guys, they don't have a deep connection. And I I just, I just find that connection is something almost that happens sometimes instantly. Like I know when I first enter into a conversation with somebody, if we're going to be friends, you know what I mean? I, you know, you either get a 
or you don't. Yeah. So like the notion that like the commitment part is is separate from whatever it is you kind of feel about about that person. So anyway, I just think that's an interesting thing for guys to say. And I think it speaks to I'm trying to think of the word here, but like it's a duty for them where it's a thing that we want to do and like why that right so anyway all right any uh, i'm sure we'll i'll continue to talk about this at length in other another podcast so any other thoughts about matt's podcast in particular before i go into what i cut yes oh okay Okay. So you know what we haven't talked about that was a big part of the book, I understand, is the gaming. Oh, sure. Uh huh. And so one of the things I wondered, that was a very, that's a choice that that author made to go deep into the gaming. She went real deep. Both of you expressed that it was like, it was too much in the gaming. And so I'm curious... I'm ki- and we don't necessarily have that answer. I'm curious why the author decided to go so deep in the gaming. Because she, she could have kept it at the surface level with the gaming, but it sounds like, I mean, there were links at the end of the book if you wanted to, <laughs> to like find out more. So I thought that was a really distinct choice. And I thought, if I'm being honest, I thought it was a distinct choice for a book written about two gay men. Like, is this something that is part of gay culture that I'm unaware of? Mm. I don't know. Mm. Um, but in, you know, in the friendships that I have with people in the gay community, that sort of gaming is not necessarily a thing. So it just, it, it made me wonder and ponder like where that came in. Well, I think we're breaking stereotypes today. I mean, like gay people can also be huge nerds, I guess is what we're learning, but <laughs> I don't know. Card, card game, card game playing people are just lovely. I think that maybe I like literally, maybe this is, if this was supposed supposed to be like Pokemon I get it but I think it was supposed to be like magic and so like I at but at this point in like cultural uh history like I don't think that magic is like a huge deal it's not and so it is cut in that respect kind of puzzling um it would have been more relevant to do like a Dungeons and Dragons because that is something that has had a resurgence and there are there are groups that meet online and like that would have made more sense even. Mm-hmm. When was the book written? It was recently. It was like 2021 or 2020. Oh yeah. So it's not like it was written during a time when magic would have been the thing. And maybe it was supposed to be like Dungeons and Dragons, but I didn't know that that had cards. I thought that was. No, it's like a board game. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I don't know, man, but I don't. And I like try, I even like, I mean, cause I'm not, I mean, I play weird board games all the time. Like, and I've just never, I don't know what kind of game card game is like so popular in the zeitgeist at present. I mean, maybe I'm missing something about like teen culture or something, but like, I don't think so, but no, or a video game. Like there are video yeah. games that people do. I also would have made, I just was so strange to me that, that that was the choice and seemed to be based on your conversation, a pretty hefty part of the book. It was for sure. And like, I think if you like, if you like card games or you like gaming culture like that, I think this would be a great book to read, but it definitely served as like between that and the road trip, it was like a definite template and added structure to, to the book. Mm -hmm. But like, I just, there is a lot, like it's hard (laughs) it's hard to describe something like a card game 
and like have it be interesting at all. Like yeah. It's just like you don't, it's like describing like a football. They threw the ball. Like that's not, you have to watch it. Like it's not, yeah. it's not interesting. So, was this a self-published one or was this? No, this was a traditionally published, published novel. Oh, so it made it through all the different processes. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, I mean, a rom-com. It was, so yeah, I was... I think that romance is really trying to reach out to all different types of people. So you, you're going to get these really niche kind mm-hmm. of books. And this definitely fell into that category of because it just doesn't just doesn't apply to everybody. And all right. Well, that was a good. Yeah, it's source books. So it was traditionally published. All right. Sorry, here we go. So that was a great question. So yeah, I just think that romance is trying to hit everybody and And I like that. I, I and I like the concept, sure. Like and you said like breaking stereotypes, 100% I'm into that. I wish that maybe based on what you guys said that she could have found a way to do it that wasn't so boring. (laughs) Because then you're just going to turn people off instead of bringing people in, right? It was boring. (laughs) For sure. All right. Yeah. I wish that too. Because I, to be honest, I didn't read a lot of it. I did a lot of of swimming. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't say out loud, but like I couldn't. It was a lot. All right. Any other thoughts? The only other thing I jotted down that, so we talked about something that maybe wasn't great, but I love that there was also information at the end of the book you guys indicated about neurodiversity Yes, and introducing that as something like here, if you want more information on this. So I do like that concept of introducing something in the book and then saying, hey, if you want more information, here's where you can go. I That's not something I'm familiar with in the romance world. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty neat. And I thought that it's, it's nice to have these neurodivergent characters and just representation of all kinds out there. And the way that I like that there's modeling and how to communicate with people who are neurodivergent and that's kind of modeled in these relationships so it's nice to see and I appreciate and the in the notion of the game by the way I like the youth of that it's not like I'm against like being characters being young and like I I think that that's appropriate I think that being into a game is a pro- I mean I could never relate to that but like <laughs> being that into a game but like people are I know people who are super into that sort of thing so like it's not like it's just a young person thing but I do think that it speaks to like what your priorities are as a 21 23 year old as you're trying to figure life out or whatever so I I thought it was fine. I just, like I said, I, it's hard to describe a game so much. Right. When you didn't connect to it. I mean, ultimately it was just not a piece of the text that you didn't connect to. For sure. But yeah, it was a good job. And all right. Awesome. So that's all, all the thoughts that you had. That's that's all my questions for this. Yeah. I think that's all I've got. I enjoyed Matt, obviously. And I I could tell I recorded it. Well, I'll talk about, I I didn't cut a lot. Mostly what I cut was just Matt and I laughing too much. Which is your thing. Like it captures your dynamic. That's what you and Matt do. So it's funny that that had to make that, that hit the the cut. Well, and like, as I was, as I was cutting us laughing, I was like, I, people have to listen to this in real life all the time. And I was like, I I am annoyed by this. I mean, I guess as one of those people though, because you know, we hang out in, in this group together. I think we just are all giggling and laughing. That's sort of when that group gets together, that's the ridiculous dynamic that we are. It's true. 
it's true. So that's mostly what I cut. I cut out me talking to the dog. And then of course, Matt is in a different time zone. And so we had, I had to wake up very early in the morning. I sound like a smoker of like 20 years. <laughs> I am. I cut out so much yawning. I was so tired. <laughs> and likewise, like Matt goes to bed early. It was past his bedtime. It was like all all around like a not great time um, to do it. And so I felt like and I was like, I there, I cut out so much yawning and like <laughs> so, and so I was having a hard time. And, but, you know, we made it through. So that's so funny. <laughs> It was, but it was so, I mean, it was so early. So anyway, but yeah, other than that, Matt didn't do a lot of ums. He didn't, Matt doesn't do a lot of teeth clicking, which is something else. I cut out a lot of these podcasts, (laughs) you knows. I cut out a lot of you knows, but Matt didn't have a lot of that stuff. So yeah, didn't really cut out anything interesting. It was, oh, well, that's, that's no fun for for this recap. No. Would like to have found out about some juicy story that hit the floor, yep. but not this time. <laughs> no, like I said, we talked about salmon ahead of the podcast for some reason. I don't even remember why, but it was dumb. I remember thinking at the time, I was like, what is happening? Why are we talking about this? But yeah, that's it. We hopefully the next one will be um, Kevin and Matt together. So we'll see how that goes. I'm very interested in that idea. And, and again, just like, is this podcast evolved? I think that will be, it'll be neat because this is a married couple. And so, and you know, their dynamic and then with you, that dynamic, and then them having read the same book, I'm very interested to hear this one. And I think, I don't recall who it was, but someone was talking in a prior one about maybe even having a group of guys get together at some point and having hosting almost a book club. The challenge in that is all of the voices in the room on an audio recording, but certainly in this group of, of guys, it would be interesting. Well, I just recorded one a couple weeks ago with two or three dudes that had previously, well, a new one new guy and then an, another regular podcast member. And it seemed to go very well. So we'll see how that translates. They were drinking. I was not. So they sound even stupider than they would have anyway. So... It's always a great, it's always a great dynamic. <laughs> always thanks for a great podcast. I will say I'm drunk for a lot of these podcasts. So are many of the other guys. I guess I can disclose that here. Matt and I had not any alcohol. And and I haven't at all. This has just been a regular conversation. <laughs> yeah, I'm not drunk now. We'll say that. Yeah. You know, I, as we're kind of closing this out, I was thinking before doing this podcast, you always provide these introductions uh, and no one has yet introduced you. Oh, right. With, I, you can choose to use this or not, but I've, I've, I've jotted down a couple of things that I think would be fun for your listeners to know. Oh my God. Okay, great. So here we go. Uh, start with the, start with the, the sweet stuff. I think that Margot is a true creative in every way as a writer. Those of you that don't know, choir member for many years, also played the viola, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I would say that Margot is potentially the most extroverted person in my world. <laughs> and you have a knack of bringing people together. That's like your one of your superpowers is bringing people together. And I think this is just one example of that. But in your real life, you do that as well. And you have reconnected me with people through the years. That's just been fantastic. Yes, 
I would also like to address that you are my favorite foodie. We share a lot of foodie content and recommendations, and we both agree that there are some people that you can trust for food recommendations and some people that you can't. And so, so Margot is a true foodie, and I always trust her recommendations. So those are a few things that I think your listeners need to know about you, Margot. Thanks so much, Jessica. <laughs> For revealing those things. <laughs> Were there bad things? No, let's see. <laughs> I jotted down just some fun. I just jotted down some fun things like, oh, like Costco. Oh, right. <laughs> that's hysterical. Well, that's oh. awesome. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Any other thoughts overall that you want to share before we kind of close out here? No, I think we've covered a lot of territory. I think this was awesome. I hope you did too. I hope Matt thinks it's awesome. Matt did, of course, a great job. Always a great job. Always up for anything. And uh, I really appreciate it. I appreciate him doing it. And Matt, I can tell that like Matt prepares stuff and kind of almost rehearses a little bit. And so I, it's nice to me that he, he takes it seriously. And and so I'm always kind of falling down on Matt. He's like, I'm ready to do it anytime. And he reads the books like immediately. And I'm like, six months later, I'm like, hey, <laughs> let's, let's record this podcast. And then I'm like, and then I'm like, oh, hey, can we push it back a couple of weeks? And then he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, hey, can we do it maybe next week instead? <laughs> And so he is always very game and understanding of this being a very bootleg operation. (laughs) I I appreciate his dedication and Kevin's really. They're both very on top of it. And I like, I'm, I'm very surprised by all of the guys. I'm all, I'm behind all of the guys on scheduling and getting books read. So when there's a delay, it's usually always me. They're, are some exceptions, but it's typically me is the issue. That said, I mean, I have to read a lot more books than they do. <laughs> sure. But, but yeah, so that's been great. They're adults. They're adult men who understand responsibilities, which is not something, to be honest, that I would have assumed about them. If, you know. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. Given all of my experience with them personally and men in general, it was not something I was anticipating. So... Anyway, all right. So thank you to Matt. Thank you, Jessica, for doing this. It was amazing. You came prepared as well. I'm so impressed. Obviously, I don't know why I didn't expect it, but I appreciate it nonetheless. And there's only one thing left to do. Tell me that you love romance. I love romance. And if you're sad this podcast is over, try Fire Breathing Kittens. It is an actual play one-shot podcast with a season-long plot. Because each week's adventure has a standalone microplot like CSI or Doctor Who, feel free to jump in at any point in the season. There's no need to catch up on past episodes or listen to every single release. Hop right into any tale that sounds fun. The cast rotates. Every week has a different combination of four of the same group of people. There's a beginning and an end to each week's story. Join us as we solve detective mysteries, attempt comedic banter, explore, and enjoy friendship. That's the Fire Breathing Kittens podcast.